0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the special meeting of the Joint City and School District Joint Select Committee. Um, First of all, we'd like to thank the staff at SFGovTV who record each of our meetings and make the transcripts available online, and want to give a special thanks to Jennifer Lowe and Jonathan Gromwalk. Our clerks today are um, Esther Casco and Derek Evans. Madam Clerk, are there any announcements? Uh, There are none, Madam Chair. Thank you. May I take a motion to excuse Supervisor Oblos, who cannot be here at today's meeting? We have a motion, and we will take that without. Thank you. And I do want to recognize um, that we do have Supervisor Farrell, um, as well as President uh, Fewer, Commissioners Wynn and Norton. And Happy New Year. It's great to be here on uh, another year of our Joint Select Committee, and I'm looking forward to chairing this process again this year. Madam
1: Clerk, can you please call the first item. Thank you. It's uh, file number 140019 and it's a hearing on the Unified School District's uh, surplus property portfolio and strategy as sponsored by you.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, So this uh, this was a hearing that uh, our office had called last year. Um, in conjunction working with then uh, uh, Commissioner Mendoza. um, It was an issue that uh, I had actually worked on as a member of the Board of Education many years ago when I sat on buildings and grounds when we then first examined um, a list of our surplus properties um, from the school district and started to look at what are ways that we could uh, utilize school district properties Property in a way that benefits the school district. Uh, we did have um, a recent achievement um, just a couple of months ago. I know that both um, Commissioner Fewer and Mendoza worked on a resolution, um, which included a swap uh, with uh, the city and county of San Francisco to build affordable housing on 1950 Mission as well as um, 1101 Connecticut. Am I getting that address correct? Yes. Uh, for Hope SF Strategy um, in exchange for actually the parking lot site at 555 Franklin. Um, which the school district can then um, develop and for which it actually has a lease um, for as well. And so um, this is really just an overall strategy around surplus property. um, To learn a little bit more about it, the mayor of San Francisco has also um, made a commitment to see what we can do on the city's end in terms of how we strategize our surplus property as well. And so we do have um, David Golden from um, San Francisco School District's Real Estate Division to be presenting today, and so I'd like to open up the floor for his presentation. Thank you, Mr. Golden.
2: Good afternoon, Supervisor, uh, President Fuhrer, School Board Commissioners, uh, Supervisors. Actually, I'm, I'm impressed how I draw audiences these days. So, um, Clearly the word was out that I was I was speaking today um so this is not the first time that the school district has certainly talked about surplus property uh, two or three grand juries later um, a whole lot of school board presentations a whole lot of public interest and comment over the, the eight or nine years that I have served as the chief facility officer for the school district and we district and a number of people have been working diligently on this issue and and other property-related issues for for a long time. And I want to walk you through sort of where we are and what we're up to. I think we've had a particularly successful last one or two years after 25 years of general inaction. So I think things are things are finally coming together for a fairly successful strategy. Um, One of the things you should know is the district has a very active real estate working group which is comprised of Deputy Superintendent Lee, uh, Chris Armitrout, our our General Counsel, uh, Don Davis, myself, our our Chief Business Officer Joe Grazioli, and as a working group we meet every other week and we discuss issues of real property long term ground leases transactions, so there's a very continued and ongoing active presence regarding leveraging surplus properties, generating revenue for the district and trying trying to make the best possible business decisions we we can for some of the finest actually property portfolio in, in San Francisco um, so To go to the first slide, and I don't know if he's going to call it up on the TV screen, on the projector. Can he he do that? He was on it. Okay. So San Francisco, for those of you that are not familiar, I know Supervisor Kim certainly is very familiar, we have over 155 of some of the finest real estate in San Francisco in our portfolio. Um, Over 9 million square feet. Uh, thousands of classrooms. Once upon a time we served over 90,000 students and today we serve about 55,000, but the number of programs and things going on in our schools has expanded exponentially. There is a perception in the community and in the city that we have lots and lots of empty buildings and the reality is that's simply not true. Currently, there are only three sites with structures that are vacant and not in use, 200 Middle Point Road, 1950 Mission, and the former principal center site at 1351 42nd Avenue. We only own two sites with no buildings on it, 7th and Lawton, which we sell Christmas trees and pumpkins, and 1101 Connecticut. So, Part of the message that we are, the school district, trying to get out to the community, particularly for instance for from charter schools who think we have an abundance of empty buildings, is we actually have vibrant school communities in the majority of our buildings. And even if the population of those schools is lower, we have expanding special needs, we have expanding childcare, we have TK, We have programs that are generally filling up a large number of these classrooms. For those of you who also know, the education code makes it really, really hard for a school district to sell property, and that's on purpose because in the 50s and the 60s, school boards popped up all over the place and said, we can have a fire sale of our property, we can raise a bunch of money, we can then spend it on whatever we want. And a year later, nobody knew what happened and all those school board members got voted out of office. So the California Education Code changed the way school boards and school districts can sell property. They make you go through an incredibly elaborate process to identify what's surplus, to have a public committee hear that, to go out in the community and take public comment, to have the school board actually declare what's surplus and what's not, And then once a decision is made to sell, there are uh, some very defined and difficult steps that one has to go through to finally (coughs) dispense with a piece of property. In the end, that is because our land is actually the heritage of the school district, it's our our trust with the students of San Francisco, and we have no way of knowing ten years from now whether we will need new schools, whether we will need less schools whether there will be more children, whether there will be uh, uh, fewer children. so So our heritage and our property is our legacy that we need to pass from generation to generation and be extremely careful how we leverage and, and sell it. So to that end, fundamentally, for the most part, the district has developed, at this point in time, an overriding strategy that better to make long-term ground lease business transactions on our property, retain the ownership of our property, generate long-term and regular revenue that can hit the general fund, rather than sell a piece of property, generate one-time dollars, and then then have no longer that asset in our portfolio. And you'll see as we go on, that's been our general policy and there have been a couple of specific exceptions to that policy because of ever overriding concerns. Okay? <clears throat> if you look at the properties that we lease, we lease about 11 properties and we generate almost $6 million in revenue a year. All of that revenue can hit the general fund, <clears throat> excuse me, hire teachers, buy books, uh, do whatever the district would like. The total revenue about 5.9 million, and that counts the two and a half million that is coming online this year with the acquisition of 1235 Mission, where where the city's uh, Health and Human Service Department is, which is a building that we've just taken ownership of this year, generates almost six million. We take in another million three in permit revenues for short-time permits. So the district as a whole is generating over $7 million in annual revenue right now just from our properties. And obviously the three biggest, if you can see, 1235 Mission, 1440 Harrison, also leased to the city, and the fifth in market property, which is where uh, Nordstrom's is, okay? In May of 2007, the Board of Education, Uh, asked that we convene a surplus property commission that went through all of its steps and um, I apologize about six months prior and in May the Board of Education declared certain properties actually as surplus at that time and gave a certain flexibility of up to 20% of the district property in its aggregate So every time we identified a surplus property in the future, we didn't have to go back and reconvene the entire committee all over again. Okay? So these are the ten properties that originally showed up on the list, and let's see what's happened to those ten properties in the last uh, six years. So the former Pacific Heights uh, Newcomer High School building at Jackson, which at one point in time there were people that saw it as a potential housing site, Uh, was reopened as the SF Montessori Elementary School. Uh, It's now no longer considered surplus. The bond program has spent a lot of money uh, renovating that building as a classroom building. The Children's Center building at 20 Cook Street is now fully occupied by our Early Learning staff. And they are so exploding that they are actually moving out to the Havard building out in the Bayview. So that's an expanding enterprise, no longer surplus. The Golden Gate Annex building was, was fully renovated, is now uh, fully occupied by both the Creative Arts Charter School and the Gateway uh, Middle School. And that site is no longer considered surplus. The former Florence Martin CDC, 1155 page, um, in cooperation with a long-term strategy, w- working with, at that time, Supervisor Mukarimi and others to produce some additional childcare in that neighborhood was leased on a long-term ground lease to the French American International School. They're in the process of, demol- they have demolished the existing building there, and they're going to be building a new early learning uh, center on that site. And that property is no longer considered surplus. Seven Hundred Font Boulevard. You can see in the photograph, the school is gone. Uh, one day, San Francisco State may choose to build a classroom building on that site. The school district uh, uh, sold that property for eleven point one million dollars to San Francisco State. It was sort of one of the last uh, transactions, uh, or or. Um, last events of the outgoing uh, president of San Francisco State and of Carlos Garcia as he was ending his, his term as superintendent. Um, 1950 Mission and 1101 Connecticut, as Supervisor Kim has pointed out, are part of a recent uh, three-party uh, parcel transaction with the Mayor's Office of Housing, uh, spearheaded by Board President uh, Fuhrer and and Commissioner Mendoza, where we will be trading 1950 Mission for an affordable housing site, 1101 Connecticut for uh, the Hope SF project in return for what we call Parcel E, which is essentially the parking lot behind 555 Franklin where the superintendent sits. And finally, the, uh, the, the last parcel was 1340 Bush. I was never sure why this one was on the list, but it's the essentially the playground for Redding Elementary School on the roof, and we ground lease the garage and generate $100,000 from that parking garage. So, if you look at what's left, I want to give you some some sort of a, a brief glimpse at what we're currently working on now, what we think is in our portfolio. So, what's left is obviously we have the hunter view youth park the former aunt b site at 200 middle point road it's a vacant building the building needs to be demolished it's a prime site i think for the city and the school district to partner on a community center or a park and really make that parcel a vibrant part of all of the redevelopment that's going on not just for malcolm x but also for hope sf above Uh, and we're currently in conversations with them about trying to make something happen. I think most of the staff agree this is not a property that we're generally concerned about leveraging for revenue. It's more a property we're concerned about leveraging for the good of the community at large. The former Principal Center School and actually the former Francis Scott Key at 1351 42nd Avenue is kind of a kind of a bad tooth in a neighborhood that not getting any, neighborhoods getting better and the property's actually getting worse. So this is where the principals union currently has its office. We moved the principal center school out to a real building because we felt students shouldn't be in modulars at a, at a site like that. We have no interest or desire to put any money into that building um, and the goal would be to leverage that site. I mean, its highest and best use according to a financial analysis is for housing. Uh, obviously, it could be a small school site if we chose to do that. Uh, there, are, there are private schools in the area that even view it as a place to build a playground and, or, or an athletic field. So, so no decisions have been made, but that's clearly something that's on our sort of portfolio list. And there's a high desire, by the way, from, from the supervisor of that district and members of the neighborhood for us to do something about what they perceive to be blight in their neighborhood, and I don't blame them. Uh, and that just sort of gives you an aerial photo of where that property is. You can see it's intensely built up all the way around it, mostly single-family homes and duplexes, and there's our sort of property right in the middle. Moving on to number three, obviously Seventh and Lawton, uh, which is currently open space. We know that there are people in the neighborhood who will fight to the death to keep it open space. Uh, We also know, in talking to many people in the city, that it's actually a prime site for housing, right beneath the Med Center, right in a place where lots of good things could happen. it could take fairly uh, dense housing and still maintain some open space as well. The city under under the Surplus Property Act also has the right to take it as a public park at fair market value. We've had some discussions with the city, and so far they are not interested in adding another park site. So the options are sort of many. We have We have conversations around some that would like this to be the edible schoolyard, like... Alice Waters Edible Schoolyard in Berkeley. Uh, we've had conversations with some of our tech partners like Zynga uh, about creating a farm build, Farmville universe at this place because of the open land. So there's lots of ideas ranging from crazy to real and right now we know that it's it's empty and we sell Christmas trees and pumpkins. So. And by the way, there is a deed restriction on this property. When the city gave us this piece of land in exchange for some other things, and Commissioner Wins knows, I think when that was, it was about 15 years ago, um, the, the deed restriction limits this property to development for uses for educational purposes. So for anything else to happen, we would have to be working with the city to lift the deed restriction. And that gives you an aerial photo of the lot at Seventh um, and Lawton. If you go forward, if we successfully make the property exchange with Mo for the three parcels I described, we will, we will actually own a really large parcel at the heart of Civic Center, both 601 McAllister, 555 Franklin, and now the parking lot. It would have been great if we had also been able to purchase the site that was the Boys and Girls Club. That was not 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 an option for us. Um, we know that that lot has very high value, both as a parcel amalgamated together should we want to, at some point in time, tear everything down and build anew. And we also know that the lot behind 55 Five Franklin has several potential key uses, and one is to maintain parking, either a grade below or or on grade, and build one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight stories, which theoretically, if we were to construct the School of the Arts at 135 NS, we would have to find a new home for the business, finance, facility, budget, uh, Prop H uh, offices. We could build an admin uh, center above, we could also do that, plus three floors of housing, <clears throat> and we could strictly do housing. So I think there's a wide range of of options there. Uh, and I think there are a lot of people, developers and others in the city that would be incredibly interested down the road in partnering with us in making something happen at that site. And all of this is just sort of coming about now as we're sort of acquiring, hoping to acquire the land, and that transaction has yet to be scheduled for the for action by the Board of Supervisors, but we hope it comes to you soon. Uh, and finally, one other sort of parcel that I think has some serious potential is if we look at moving the School of the Arts to, one, to 135 NS, we're looking to carve out the 170 fell lot as a building that is prohibitively expensive to remodel as a school, but might be attractive to the members of the ballet or the conservatory or the jazz community as either student housing or housing for visiting guest artists, or for that matter, a use on floors 123 of 170 Fell, and potentially we could sell the air rights over 170 Fell for housing development. So I think there are a number of sort of options that are open for us there that uh, weren't sort of part of our collective thinking a, a year or two ago, and new ways of looking land have kind of broadened our horizons. And that's a decision I think I, that we probably shouldn't make until we determine we're ready to move the school, and we have set in stone exactly what the premise of that project is. Okay, so that kind of concludes where I am with where we are with surplus property. Um, I think it's probably not as exciting as the grand jury, when they keep sending me stuff, expects to find. Um, but we're awake and working on it. And uh, you know, you know, the days are over where we're not taking our properties and the value and and the revenue that we can generate from it seriously. So with that, I'll conclude and be happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you, Mr. Golden. Thank you for that comprehensive presentation. It's good to get a relook, at least from my perspective. I know that the Board of Education has probably seen this many times, um, but to see where we've come over the last couple of years over the surplus property. I had a couple of questions and then um, I'll also open up for questions and comments from the rest of the committee. First and and you know, I, I can't remember exactly where this was. I wasn't sure if this was on the surplus property list or if this was just examined by CBRE um, when I was on the school board as a potentially developable site. But I remember there was conversations about the current SOTA campus. Um, because a lot, it's, a, it's a huge site and there's obviously buildings on some of it, but actually a lot of it is open space. And I know that there was a grade issue um, with that site, but where, what, is, um, what is the status of that site?
2: Okay, so that I mean that potential is still there, so right now, the current strategy would be if all the things the cards fell into place would be to relocate the School of the arts to one hundred and thirty five ns We are currently remot putting investing a fair amount of money into the Mceteer campus, one because it 's going to take a number of years to make this happen and we don't want to have the students that are there, both the academy students and the SODA students, not have a heating system, not have windows at work, not have lights at work for the five, eight, even ten years it might take to make all this happen. So we think that campus, even if SODA were to move to 135, the academy is going strong. We expect it to grow. We would expect to co-locate another school there because the campus will be great, and we also think that SOTA will continue to use some of the things there no matter what because there will be still a black box theater. There will be a good auditorium. There will be a number of things that can be co-shared. So the the prospect of liquidating the entire property doesn't look realistic in a kind of a long-term horizon, nor mm-hmm. would I recommend it. Okay the potential still exists once we determine exact pretty much who's going to remain and what we need to sell a lot of the sloping that for us as a school would be non-usable land. Mm-hmm. But to a developer who is already paying a fortune for land in San Francisco, land on a slope is no big deal. And uh, so we recognize there's, there's probably several hundred units or more of some serious development potential, that's that's there.
0: And um, you know, it's great to see kind of the other sites that you're considering. I have long looked at the principal center site too, because it's such a big parcel, um, and it's concrete, um, unlike Seventh and Lawton, which is you know considered open space by the neighborhood. Um, so I'm glad that that is in consideration as well. And I was curious, just from the school district's. Perspective, and maybe this isn't just a question for Mr. Gold, Mr. Golden, but um, consolidating staff because we have staff all over the city, and I'm not sure if we still have staff at Cabrillo Elementary School, um, in the Bayview. And, and, and to a certain extent, I think that impacts the ability for our staff members to collaborate um, within one school site. And being that you have both the 135 Van S and the Parcel E. Slash Five 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 Franklin site. If there's been any conversations about consolidating office space um, and building, obviously, then building a larger office, clearly in partnership with a private developer, because there isn't a slush fund for SFUSD to do that.
2: So, the answer to that is, is yes. If you remember, when I actually when I first came here in two thousand four. Superintendent Ackerman had consolidated a lot of people at, um, I can't think of the name of the, it was a high te, a dot-com building that went bankrupt near Besson Carmichael. And so
0: three, the I goal believe. was to
2: put a lot of these people together. Um, then when we moved them out of that building, because we saved $800,000 a year by not leasing that building, we moved them, we remodeled Cabrillo and moved them into Cabrillo. Since that time, there has been just an explosion of personnel, both in special needs and early learning, and that's kind of, has dictated some spaces throughout the district. If a lot of those needs need to be in sort of other, sort of, it doesn't work to be all together, they actually need to be sort of, I think, in in locales throughout the city. Um, But I think the goal, one of the solid goals of Parcel E would be to consolidate all of, as many of those kinds of things in in one place. How all that comes about, I don't exactly know. But for starters, we know that there's several hundred people in the budget office and the facility office and then and in, in finance that need to go somewhere if soda becomes unavailable. So uh, that is definitely one of the strategies now. Olson Lee, you know, from the mayor's office of housing, would love to see eight stories of housing on parcel Lee. So I think there's a number of options.
0: Thank you. Um, I actually apologize. That was an oversight on my part. Um, I, I had meant for the mayor's office of housing to be here as well. Um, it is a joint. Select committee, and we shouldn 't just have the school district presenting on any single item, and I do apologize for that oversight beginning of the year and um, We will make sure that we always have city departments as well as school district departments um, here present for committee hearings. Um, the last comment I just want to make, and I, um, and this is just on a, the resolution that the school board passed in two thousand and ten just like to see that, you know, uh, one of the goals was to leverage district uh, real property assets for revenue that will aid the general fund, but also um, um, opportunities to close the um, opportunity gap, which I think is one of the thinking behind 1950 mission is that affordable housing is um, one of the opportunities that is a gap between um, students in our school district. So hope to see that. in in future presentations as part of our thinking around surplus property. And so I did want to open up to comments or questions from um, our members, if there are any. Commissioner Norton, and then Commissioner Wins.
1: Thank you. Um, I just want to thank you for the presentation. I mean, a lot of this information I'm aware of, but to see it all collected like this is really, really helpful and partly just to, to help you dispel that kind of misconception that we have tons of empty properties lying all over the city. So um, I, I really thank you for that. I, I guess I want to um, explore a little bit the Seventh and Lawton discussion a little bit more um, I, I think I just heard you say to, to Supervisor Kim that um, that site could accommodate, did you say hundreds of units of housing?
2: Seventh and Lawton? Yeah.
1: Like the Soda site. Oh, the Soda site. Okay. That makes yeah. more sense. Some hundreds. I was like...
2: <laughs> I think Seventh and Lawton actually could accommodate...
1: About 120. Okay. Quite a and few. Yes. I mean, you know, I know that... When this comes up, we always sort of talk about the neighborhood opposition to this, um, but it does seem like given i mean given what is happening in the city right now and just the you know that, that there does seem to be so much agreement on the need to build more housing, whether it 's market rate affordable you know a mix of i mean people disagree on what that should be, but everybody agrees that we haven 't been building enough housing in this city, and so it seems to me that this is something that you know that we have a responsibility to really explore I mean both as a a Board of Supervisors as a Board of Education to really say you know this this is this prime site in in a prime neighborhood you know residential neighborhood near transit you know that it just would make sense that we move on that.
2: And I, I couldn't agree more and it's interesting every single time we have a hearing that mentions the word surplus property this is the only time that 14 neighbors haven't come out who who their desire is to see this remain public open space forever and uh so it, you know that will take some hard partnerships and a brave developer who wants to take on that fight but i think we'd be anxious to partner with somebody on that i would love to have olson step up and take that one too <laughs> yeah
0: Commissioner Wynn.
3: Thank you. Um, thank you, Mr. Golden. I, um, first of all, I, I think it kind of goes without saying, but we should make sure all the members of the Board of Education get a copy of this, as well as um, um, maybe put it on the website or just uh, as part of our uh, public outreach. There are a lot of people interested in this subject, so I think this uh, very cogent and clear summarizing visual presentation would be helpful to us in our and maybe we should just make sure that all the members of all the previous grand juries that opined on this no i'm kidding about that uh but i too wanted to so i i thank you and i thank you for the work that's been done um i think actually one of the most interesting things is to see the um status of things that were on our surplus property list because, as Mr. Golden said, the process is so long and complex and cumbersome, we needed to do that just to have the discussion, to have things on the surplus property list, go through the required committee process, et cetera, et cetera, and yet even at a time of slow to no growth in our population to see the, just within a few years, the educational uses of these properties, should give us pause to think about the balancing our obligation to use the public resources well and for the advantage of the public and also be cognizant all the time that school needs and the district's needs are going to evolve over time. Um, So that's interesting. And then I wanted to, like uh, following up on Commissioner Norton's comments, talk a little bit about the properties that are left and the – And I think that we really do need to do a lot of community discussion and talk to the mayor's office, to not only the mayor's office of housing, but to the board of supervisors and others, and think about how we want to have the public discussion about these things. So, for instance, um, Seventh and Lawton was part of a previous land trade with the city, not so much to our advantage. (laughs) And... um, so the restrictions on this property I mean we there were actually at one time uh, years ago we had a which I have available i don't know if you've ever seen that were you here when we did we have we have a conceptual design for housing at the seventh and Lawton site um, and uh, which was meant to be rental housing for teachers and uh, so the discussion about whether Um, educator housing is an educational purpose is something that, you know, was only had among a small group of people that were sort of sitting in a room thinking about whether we could get money to do this. And and I think that's the kind of discussion that we need to advance. That we can't just, you know, we have people who are saying, oh, that means... At the time, actually, it seems to me that there was some interest from the community in this site and some other sites in our having additional preschool sites. So that was one of <laughs> at least some group of people's ideas was it would be acceptable to them if we built a children's center there, or what, early education site as we would call it now. But I also think it's important that the, we work with people who work with the community to uh, engage people around there in discussions that take into effect into account, for instance, the reality that high-rise apartment buildings have been built across the street, up the hill from there, so the character of that neighborhood as theoretically single-family housing has changed significantly since that time, and we should definitely talk about that. Also, this doesn't, even though we all know it, this doesn't take into account, and this picture does not include that uh, this piece of property continues to the south and is Open space that belongs to the community water garden. department as it it's 's a community garden yeah well, and it 's also you know in other words, we could talk we should talk about the whole thing when we talk about community uses for open space, etc, what the impact might be and this is a little facetious of course, of you know not having a site for a Christmas tree lot or a pumpkin patch should we use it for something else, but um, that, I think that 's a good example of how are, uh, now we have a commitment to and some kind of infrastructure for actually working with the city on these kinds of issues, whereas before it was just we talk, they talk, and we weren't really doing things together, and there are some things. And the same thing's true, by the way, at the McAteer site, at the current soda site, that those open hillsides that are completely underutilized, as well as our own athletic facility there, the former football field of McAteer High School, um, are... Part of a major open space that the city has. So we ought to talk about how we could, you know, we use those things. The same thing, by the way, is also true that in the old days when we talked about the possibility of building housing on those open hillsides right along Bosworth, there were um, far fewer houses on the upside across the street of that hillside, whereas now those are filled and filling with. Residential units. So, uh, I would welcome, and I think with the experience we now have, staff we have staff that yourself and others that could be talking to, about a way that we could do some kind of uh, collective or partnership discussion with the public about the future of those kinds of sites.
2: Yeah, and I think you know, and, and just to follow up on that, if 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 the Ruth our School of the Arts is going to come to fruition at 135. There will be partnerships with, with the city and public and private that need to be sort of forged because there will be some landmark issues, there may be some environmental issues, and the city and the school district may have to partner together to be able to overcome what could be some fierce advocacy in certain areas to make the whole project come to be. So I think it's a kind of an important relationship. I think uh, Deputy Superintendent Lee and, and Olson Lee and our group are, are sort of forging a whole new territory kind of trying to make all this transaction happen. I think in the end, uh, I forget who said it, but I think that that deal, I mean, I think came out primarily because at that time Commissioner Fure had this had the strength of will to force a solution, and uh, and I think that was it was time, and we were ready for that. Uh, we had spent a lot of time on too many options, um, uh, so there's a lot of work at each one of these steps to happen. Even at one thir- at five 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 and parcel E, I think the potential to even go higher, potentially. So all of those things are, th- are, are new territories for us to work with the city.
3: Um, if I may just finish up, I do want to I did want to say something about those sites. Um, the one thing we really need to take into account is the sort of underutilization of um, the McAllister building, the older building in our on that site. So that is something that we should consider. I think, and you know, maybe we can make some. Uh, talk to some architects about just sort of telling us what could be done in that site. And the same thing, and then I, I, last, I just want to make one comment that I am hoping that we, um, I I remain committed to the idea that we need to provide access to housing for our employees, particularly for teachers, if we're going to remain competitive as to having teachers be able to come here in the future, which we will definitely need. And I think that uh, I'm hoping that we will continue now having done this one deal with the city to s- look for new models, because the the weakness, of course, is the deal that we've done, is that it will result in there being some affordable housing, but there will be limited, if any, access for our own employees <laughs> to that project, because, to that housing, because any housing project, affordable house, or low-income housing project that includes federal subsidies, teachers and most school employees are simply not eligible for them. So we either need to make a new deal, so they will be, which I think we should be pursuing politically, or uh, think about other ways to build housing that could really be exclusively or largely for school district employees, notably teachers. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Fuhrer
4: um thank you commissioner kim
3: so um thank you
4: mr golden for this report i have a couple of questions one is our lease at 1475 ella street to glad tidings church when does that expire
2: commissioner uh president Fuhrer, i don't know i can find out for you
4: and is it the same for 1340 bush street garage do we know when that lease expires and also the other one we have with the San Francisco Parking Authority, the, which is at the um, 2055 Lombard.
2: Okay. I can get you all that information.
4: Okay. Do you think that these are leases that would be up within the next five years?
2: The Bush Street Garage, no. Uh, the other one's probably.
4: Oh, for renegotiation?
2: Yeah, the Bush Street Garage was recently done, and um, I have to check it on, on it. Ellis. Glad, I mean, obviously, Glad Tidings. Oh, we did. Were at, I didn't
4: even notice that the, it was the lease for that at at yeah. this thirty-six thousand a year. Yeah, the yeah. first street. Okay.
2: And and in fact, we did it because we carved out spaces for the school. Yeah, for Reading Elementary School. They were requesting spaces, and we had to redo the lease to make sure that we could designate some spaces for them and still keep the lot viable. Um, Glad Tidings is obviously not one of our biggest money makers. I think we have a long history with them. I don't really know I don't them. know the hi-
4: I don't know the history. So But I can
2: find out. Okay. And some of these other leases, I don't know. I know the fifth and market lease goes on for decades.
4: Yeah, that's too bad because actually um Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad.
2: I mean, there were there were those that think it was a great deal and there were those that think in hindsight it wasn't the greatest deal. I, I, yeah. Now that we look <laughs> at
4: that. Uh, now yeah. that we look like at my yeah, yeah now that we good. look like that's at the, the price of a two-bedroom condo, so, um, yeah. Right. Uh,
2: 1440 Harrison is a long, very long-term deal. And then there's a number of sites at the bottom. If you look at that list, there's four sites, including the old downtown high school site mm-hmm. that were leased to City College, for instance, for a upfront lump sum payment of $10 million or whatever it was some years ago. So there's a number of those that are floating out there where all the money was paid and the lease is good for another 50 years. One of them is the old Polytechnic High School, for instance. Oh, yeah. So, on Waller there. Right. So we're no longer getting any revenue from those sites. The, the money was paid up front, but we still eventually – we still own the land and will eventually. Okay,
3: downtown site was for the I don't know if this will work, but anyway, we got all the money up front. we used it to build Bessie Carmichael,
2: yeah, so that was the Bartlett campus okay,
3: and then um,
4: you know, I think that I, I think that we we are concerned about our employer housing, however, um, through um, conversations with teachers, though, and also with the leadership of UAS UESF, that their their last statement was, you know, that they're willing to look at something other than brick and mortar and rental subsidies, which actually may work out even better for us because you know we're not in the business, we are in the business of education, we are not landlords. You know, I mean that is and tenants. And do we really want to, we have some property that we rent, but really do we want to work with individual housing tenants? I think I don't know about you, but as a board member, I don't think I want to work with that. I feel like we should be using, actually, some of this revenue to help retain our teachers, yes, because 50 percent of our teachers leave within the first five years, but I think there's still some polling and surveying to be done among the membership of the UESF on what teachers would like. I mean, I think that if we ask teachers, If they would like to live together in one brick-and-mortar complex, you may get different answers from that. And actually, um, personally, my husband being a policeman, I wouldn't want to live in a complex with all police officers. So that's just a personal (laughs) (coughs) or with fellow board members. So there we go. Um, I also wanted to ask you, though, a little bit about that space I just drove by the other day at the 42nd Avenue site. And I'm wondering, all these sites, I mean, there's no, we aren't currently using that site at all. Is that correct?
2: The 42nd site is currently being used for two things. It's being used for the storage for the special education department. So there's a lot of records there. And it's being used, as it always has been, by the principal's union that maintains office there. But the building is in such lousy shape that we're not encouraging permits to have active events there. Right there. We have suggested to, to, to the supervisor uh, of that district that potentially that could be a farmer's market site in the interim. I mean, there are a number of things that we would entertain sort of as a community asset while we figure it out. But um, you're right. Right now, very low use.
4: Right. So actually, I think that I would categorize that as vacant because we don't have uh, permanent office, you know, in a way a permanent office there. We don't have a school there. We have buildings that actually we can't house or educate children in, right, because they're so Broken down, but also it is sort of an eyesore in that community of single-family homes. So I'm wondering, what type of maintenance do we do to clean up the area? I just drove by the other day. Granted, it was very quickly on a motor- back of a motorcycle, but I noticed that there was a lot of debris and garbage in around the area. And I'm wondering, to be good neighbors, are we um, constantly maintaining that
2: site? And the answer to that question is, we are supposed to be and One of my phone calls after I leave will be to call Willie Green and Custodial and ask him to do some policing because clearly, when you have sites that aren't heavily used, you wind up with and debris, and the one thing we want to be are good neighbors. Only I agree.
0: You, me and, John.
4: and I think that was also um, a problem at 1950 Mission yes. that there was a lot of garbage also in front yes. and around 1950 Mission. And so, um, and to be a good neighbor, we should keep that, that clean, and so that's great. Now, the vacant land at 7th and Lawton, so I believe that you're talking about the garden which is north of the site. Um,
2: that's not ours. That's not yeah, that's
4: not ours, but I'm just saying that there's a garden. But actually, what's south of this our site isn't ours either. That belongs to the Water Department of City and County of San Francisco, whatever. So, both of those, north and south, are not our sites. But the north site is already a community garden there with open green space there. And then to south is also the reservoir of this huge, big area, right? And so, when you spoke when we explored about housing on seventh avenue when you spoke about there was enough room for housing and for open space were you considering the property that is adjacent to the south and not to the north but to the south as the open space or were you looking at open space and housing within the property that we
2: own yeah what i was considering commissioner is at the end of a planning process, it would probably be fairly contentious. There would end up being some sort of compromise between a moderate housing density with some open space as opposed to a totally built-out site. I mean, if I had to guess what the eventual outcome would be, there would would probably be some give and take on our property. Okay. Now, but I think that's a planning process that is – I'm speculating. Okay. Great.
4: Um, yeah, well, you know what? I have to say, one, I think that I'm looking at this list, and we have made movement on this, right? Um, Page Street, that's oh, yeah. done. Um, 1950, 1101 Connecticut, that's done. Font Street, that's done. So actually, this list is shrinking. I mean, fairly within the last couple of years, yeah, we've I mean, made the some Av- progress on it. Apple is
2: a school. Chinese, uh, Jackson Street is now back to being a school.
4: Yes. So, oh, yeah, that. and then I wanted to ask about Cook Street. You mentioned that they're bursting at the seams, and so they're going over to the Havertz site. Are all of them moving there, and will that be a vacant building? No.
2: No. So the the anticipation, um, early learning has a huge proposal out to take over Head Start. Uh, I think we are anticipating that we're going to get some portion of that, and we're anticipating we have to hit the ground running really fast. Um we the combination of, of sort of expanded interest in pre-K and now with TK looking to be essentially probably more, not less, although I'm, I'm speaking out of my area expertise, they they have needs for for staff. So where city college was previously at the Havard site on the other side of the building, we are now, our preschool programs will be taking over part of that space, and there will be some new special needs classrooms there as well. And there will be administrators on the second floor, which has been predominantly empty for a long time. Right. So that plus Gloria R. Davis, which is now predominantly administrative. So um, there are a lot of a lot of programs in the district and a lot of things that need Right.
4: You know, I think that what would help with the mapping out a future of of our real estate is one is looking at the future needs um, even 20 or 25 years from now about where we might need schools. And I'm just going to say that out at um, the Park Merced area, there's going to be a huge development out there, right? We're going to see a huge increase with all the family housing built being built of needing a school out there. And quite frankly, we don't have a school site out there. And the schools that we have out there can't really accommodate such, you know, their their smaller schools. And so I think that type of planning about what we'll need, of course, developers there, they're going to have to also, um, you know, Pick it up for us, I feel, because they're building it and their families are going to need school somewhere, right? So, but we don't have a school space there. So I think when I'm looking at surplus property or property that could be vacant or, or newly vacant or whatever are not being used, utilized is that it would be helpful to have a plan also as we project out the population of school-age children in San Francisco and where we might need um, the space to actually educate them. As um, as we see here, we have very little vacant property now, surplus property. Almost everything's being used. I think there was a time when enrollment was down and people freaked out and said, you know, you're going to have all these schools that are empty, so what are you going to do with them? But now, enrollment is up. And so, and people are choosing our public schools because they know that this is the finest schools district in the United States. So I think we will, with all this extra housing being built, particularly in that area, we're going to need. So, I um, it would be helpful if we could look at this with a projection of maybe what what San Francisco may look like, so we can accommodate before we get rid of property. Sort of, we may need that property to swap it out to build schools where the most of the housing is being done. You know,
2: and and, and just in response to that, so. One of the steps that we've taken for precisely the same reason is we've recommissioned and just finished a new demographic study. So we have a new set of demographics of, of growth throughout the city, and that study is actually kind of interesting in that, for instance, if you were in Fresno and you built an apartment or a house, you might get two students or three students per unit. In San Francisco, for instance, in a lot of cases, we're figuring one child for every two units, for all kinds of obvious reasons. We think a lot of the growth is going to be out in the Bayview. Principally, um, we also have a school assignment system that makes it sort of interesting to say who goes where and why. Um, in a in a pure sense, we would be building most of our new schools out there. Um, I think Leno- I mean. Um, Park Merced is a, is a classic case. Uh, we're sort of waiting to see what happens, and we have a different challenge out there, which is where is there available land even to acquire and, and and purchase to even build a school. Out in the Bayview, I think we have other options where we might actually be able to partner with a developer to get them maybe to build a school for us. I think that would be the intent of Treasure Island if they ever built 4,000 housing units at Treasure Island. So you're, you're absolutely right. And the the problem comes in things are are shifting incredibly fast. And the one thing I know for sure is, I mean, Chinese Immersion at Diavola is the classic case. We close the school, we then reopen the school, Chinese Immersion, remodeled the school, and it's going great guns. So. Yesterday's discarded school is today's wonderful story.
4: Right. Um, so I'm wondering, um, Commissioner Kim, maybe um, we can ask her if we could have that study at one of our next select committee meetings. of demographics, so we can take a look at what the latest information is about San Francisco and what the projections are. Um, so I think that also has to do with probably what's in what's in the pipeline, right, for the housing and what what oh, yes. people are building i just want to make sure that we're going to be able to accommodate and f- a thing like seventh and lawton we might have to use that to swap it out with someone to build buy property in a place where we really do need to build a school you know so i think that um i really until we sort of get a projection on it i feel like we really can't move on very much yet because if we don't know it so um. Supervisor Kim, I was going to request at one of these next meetings that we look at the latest Mm -hmm. demographic and the projections for San Francisco Mm -hmm. and where the building is going to be. Mm -hmm. And also even about Hope SF, how many units, how many family units, two- and three-bedroom units, Mm -hmm. are they affordable? We can almost assume that the um, low-income and affordable housing units, those children will attend our schools for sure. Mm -hmm. So it will give us sort of an idea of what our future population might be in that area.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. And... The demographers, um, Orla O'Keefe, is heading up that enterprise. Um, they have a, a pretty good presentation. They're they're very skilled and thoughtful people. I think they would give you a lot of good information.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, great! And it's a City and County of San Francisco. Have sort of that same kind of demographic mm-hmm. information. Maybe we can compare the both of them and okay. see see where we're at.
0: So, um, what I can do is we can continue this item to the call of the chair. What I can do is um, I can talk to um, either. The planning department um, or one of our city departments to see who the appropriate uh, present, presenter would be, we, we did, through the Board of Supervisors um, Institute, a dashboard from the planning department to get a sense of, uh, of a bird's-eye view, I believe on a quarterly basis of all residential units that are being built in the city and what percentage are affordable and at what AMI. And so happy to at least have them come in to present that um, it's actually 8,000 units of housing on Treasure Island, up to 17,000 residents. Um, but again, even even after the Board of Supervisors approves developments, it doesn't mean that they get built um, because we do not finance these private developments. So Park Merced and Treasure Island and, of course, the shipyards are major developments that we are continuing to wait for. But I think it's good for us to collect all of our data points together, um, both from planning and the mayor's office, along with Orlo O'Keefe and um, the uh, SFUSD's real estate division um, to continue this discussion and I know that the mayor's office is going to be starting to convene his um, housing work group um, at the end of February and it would probably be good to have a representative of the school district there just to see if, you know, what role does the school district play in helping us achieve um, the goal of building 30,000 units of housing over the next six years which is a very, very hefty goal even in this um, immense construction phase that um, our city is seeing which is unprecedented. We used to build about 1,500 units a year, so building at almost 5,000 units a year is going to be a heavy lift for all of us, and will involve all of our thinking together to see how we can address our housing crisis. But um, thank you so much for the presentation today. Um, If there are no further questions or comments... Can I ask something? Sure, Commissioner um, wins.
3: I wanted to ask, uh, and I see Mr. Armentrout is here, so I don't know exactly what the proper timing should be, but I'm hoping that either at our next meeting or the one following it, it will be appropriate for us to have a hearing on the after-school yes. for all, yes. after-school coordination program pending. So
0: Supervisor Farrell did call for this hearing, I believe, in November, um, beginning of November. We have we — I am planning to agendize this in February. Um, okay. Supervisor Farrell, if you have any additional comments. Um, but we'll Thank ensure you. that DCYF, um, as well as the school district, is there. And I, 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 I might, I'm assuming that Supervisor Farrell's office will be organizing um, the series of presentations along uh, with you, because I know Commissioner Wins, you also sponsored the same resolution at the school district. Thank um, you. Looking forward to that as well. Um, so uh, if we can take a motion to continue this item to the call of the chair, I'll make sure that we have another um, presentation um from the city's perspective in terms of what is going on from housing, from private developers' perspective, but also um, the city's perspective as well. And I think it's probably um, good to also have maybe a 101 on terms of how affordable housing gets built, because there are a lot of complications at the federal and state level around the AMI, um, which I know that both Commissioner Wins and Fewer has brought up. We often get federal subsidies for up to 60% AMI, which is um, federal policy. And while our first-year teachers, um, and probably our teachers with families, are under 60% AMI, it does exclude a number of our SFUSD professionals. And how do we build at above that rate? And leverage our dollars. Um, And I know that I believe in Santa Clara they use certificates of participation. Um, They issued their own debt um, to build housing for their teachers so they could control who got to live there, um, which we as a city can't do when we take federal dollars or state dollars to build affordable housing. But I think it will certainly be an interesting conversation and a very important conversation. So if there are no further comments, um, I'll take. We have a motion to continue to the call of the chair, and I'll take that motion without opposition. Thank you. Are there any other announcements or items, Madam Clerk? Or none, Supervisor. Seeing none, meeting is adjourned. And our next meeting will be the fourth Thursday of February. Thank you very much.